0: the final furlong podcast is brought to you in association with at the the ultimate resource for
1: racing fans
0: welcome along to our royal ascot review part two i'm mitch kennedy alongside the mcflurry loving at the races pundit mr kevin blake hello so we're doing this in real time we've just recorded part one have you finished the mcflurry
1: oh god yes very much so I didn't
0: have time to defrost an ice cream, Kev. So I'm floating on fumes here. So let's get kicking into it, shall we? Um, day four. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so <laughs> the going is good to soft, soft in places. Uh, good on the good to soft on the round course.
1: It wasn't really. though. It was good ground. No. At that stage.
0: Yeah, and, and this is the thing. It did dry out pretty fast. To be fair, yeah. uh, death went on to win the Albany Stakes uh, as four to one favourite.
1: Putting that tea, frowns. Uh, probably from Gaeth. Uh,
0: who knows? Oh, who didn't run in the end, so we didn't have to discuss him. Uh, so Dea for Roger Varian, Dea. David Egan. I Dea. Yeah. Huge success for David Egan, by the way. Uh, Celtic Beauty back in third, and uh, Aurora back in uh, back in third. Sorry, Celtic Beauty back in second. God, I'm I'm, I'm in a sugar low. A big, big sugar low. Um, big performance for Roger Varian, and uh, a fine performance from this filly in the Albany Stakes.
1: Yeah, she's a lovely filly. Um, the, she was very good on the clock first time at Newmarket and she very much built on that here. Um, you'd be delighted for David Egan. He's a real a real nice lad. Um, and I know that that kind of gets done plenty now when you're talking about fellas that have just won races. But um, I, I've met David a few times now and Jesus conducts himself really well. And just a nice, pleasant young lad. Uh, and you'd be delighted to see him get success, and he's getting plenty of it. As Mick um,
0: McCarthy would say, he's a good lad.
1: <laughs> he is a good lad. I know he's a very likable chap, and I'm sure he'll he'll keep kicking. His his feet seem to be firmly on the ground, and he should uh, he should keep kicking forward. And uh, yeah, it's just a good performance. She was much the best at the line. Um, the dream was alive for for Celtic Beauty there for quite some time um, as she had uh, on her previous start at NACE travelled really really strongly into the race and um, I was just second best on the day but a a smashing run for Ken Condon and uh, David Kelly Um, any any other oh for the winner Bloodstock Corner and the winner um, by Baited Brett who had three winners I believe it's Royal Ascot, which mm-hmm. is um, which is some return for a sire that's uh, you know very much a, a working man sire. In that you know he's always stood for eight or ten grand. He's a very much a rock solid proven sire, and um, it's great to see the likes of him getting plenty of success on a stage like this. Um, and I'm sure anyone that has foals or yearlings or mares and foals to him would be absolutely delighted. So um, kudos to Baited Breath. Uh, Nothing wrong with beating
0: a No Name Ever and a Kodiak as well, despite the fact that they were big prices, uh, Aurora in in particular. In behind, Kev, you'd written extensively about Wesley Ward's record at the Royal Meeting, and we talked about this with Peter in depth, and Peter was was of the view, this six furlong thing is nonsense, and he's going to prove it. The stats were there to say that it is a problem with these juveniles, and in the end neabeth couldn't beat jelly petton there's not a whole lot behind them uh, between them at the end but they're 12th and 13th and it's another example of Wesley ward whose horses had run well you know particularly god the one on the queen mary jeez but um, for, for whatever reason over 6 furlongs they struggle in juvenile races
1: yeah it's it's not difficult to see why you know he trains his horses for precocity for gait speed for early speed and uh, all of those things are a bigger advantage to his horses over the shortest possible trip, mm. which in this neck of the woods is five. And um, That's where he's enjoyed all his success with his two-year-olds at the meeting and um, and didn't get on the winner's board this time, uh, which I'm sure was a source of frustration for him. Uh, Kamari, the one that got away, I suppose. but. Oh. um yeah, like, and Pete says Pete Pete's view was that maybe kind of Wesley just had had a bit of a thing in his head that he was really keen to have a winner over six just to put the thing to bed. But um, yeah, I think I think maybe playing to his strengths might be best advice going forward, and just focusing on the five furlong races um, because that's where he's enjoyed um, a ridiculous amount of success for considering where he's based, and uh, I'd imagine he'll have more success over that trip in the future, but. Yeah, six it just seems to be a bit of a struggle for for these horses to, to last uh over the extra furlough.
0: She's a horse I would definitely keep in mind. I'm not taking anything away from the winner whatsoever, but I would keep her in mind given the regard she was held in.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It would knock her it'd be yeah, it'd be interesting to see if some of these two year olds come back. You know, we've seen that with, with Weswar before. He he brings them back. Um didn't you know, often with the winners, obviously didn't have a winner this time, but um they're always fascinating when they come over i hope he's not discouraged um by what happened last week because it really does add to the meeting and adds an extra layer of intrigue
0: well 10 winners in total in 10 years i don't think he can complain too much you know you're gonna draw a blank at some stage um so so that's only natural uh podcast alert there is another interview podcast on the way for you in the final furlong very soon. We have our Irish Derby weekend preview coming up with Roy Delargy, the Blakester, and myself. And on Monday, we will review the Curra with um, a woman making her debut on the podcast, Sarah Lynham, which I'm very much looking forward to having Sarah on the show. She's, um, If you read her blog, it's excellent, and she speaks very well about racing, so it'll be good to get her her input on, uh, on the racing ahead. She's a Luddite. She has no clue about the technical uh, intricacies that are involved in getting on a podcast, like having a Skype line and WhatsApp, but <laughs> we'll sort it out and she'll be on. We'll have a bit of fun. Um, I mentioned this because Rixie's on holidays. Now I made some statements on the podcast that made me look a fool, a bigger fool than usual, Kevin. Uh, and I'm happy to stand over those podcasts, And be deemed a fool. Sir Michael Stout, you will be allowed to challenge me to a duel and slap me right across the face when you see me in person next time. And uh, indeed, Electra Nyarkos can do the same thing about Circus Maximus. But there was a very, very bold statement made by Rixie of this parish. He said the derby was rubbish. Rubbish! The worst derby I've ever seen! They've all finished in a heap! It's no good! Well, may I put it to you, who is not here to defend himself, Rixie, now, the sixth has come out and won the St. James's Palace Stakes, and the third has come out and absolutely, to quote Kevin Blake, bolted up in the King Edward VII Stakes. That derby's looking all right now, Kev.
1: Um, yeah, early indications are encouraging. Um, There's a clear case for why Japan has improved. Um, They're chasing their tail a little bit with him. In the early part of the season, he was seriously weak in the betting, both for the Dante and the Derby. And it looks like to be a case that he's kind of peaked on his third run here and put up a, a very impressive performance. Um, you know, the, the race was run to suit him in terms of pace. He was held up, uh, I thought was a good pace. Um, he ended up getting flung a bit wide, which wasn't ideal. But, um, yeah, by God, he's, he's been really impressive in the end here. Very powerful late on. Um, and thanks to the data we have from Ascot and, and Longjean's um, in terms of the, the tracking information, we know that he ended up covering 16.6 metres more than the runner-up Bangkok Whoa. and um, and still beat him by four and a half. So it, it was an impressive effort. It was strong on the clock. It, it was The visuals were very good. This is a very nice horse, um, one that you'd imagine will end up in the King George Mm -hmm. and potentially against whatever comes out on top in the Irish Derby um, this coming weekend, um, in against all the older horses. And uh, this performance puts him in the mix in that type of company. Uh, It was really, really good.
0: Well, there was a lot of talk beforehand, Kev, that he would be a St. Ledger horse. And the interesting quote from Ryan Moore was, Japan is more than a St. Ledger horse. No disrespect to that race all disrespect to that race really I don't think there's any chance in hell he'll go to Doncaster Um, it'll be the King George or the Grand Prix de Paris something along those lines and they'll they'll try for for a group one this season and on the basis of what he's done here he was rated 10 pounds superior to everything else and and we pointed that out beforehand but on the basis of what he's done here he's going to be very very exciting going forward
1: he is you know and he like he, he was probably a little bit better than he was in the derby um, but it was just a very impressive taking performance. He'll he'll be in much deeper company next time. But I still wouldn't like to completely rule out the possibility of him running in a Ledger. Um, that'll be dictated by his next run. You know, if he were to finish, you know, a solid fourth in the King George, you'd, you'd have to be tempted to run in the Ledger because he looks like he'll stay if they ask them to, and he'd clearly be be you know the one to beat in it based on what he's done the last couple of times. So um, I wouldn't like to rule it out um yeah but this was good this was a good performance one that bodes well for him going forward
0: get your money on broom for the saint ledger on sky sports racing and we'll be counting our money for years to come uh the commonwealth cup would go to that man frankie de tory who some bookmakers would not allow you to put in multiples (sighs) that was pretty pathetic
1: Pretty embarrassing uh, there, it, yeah.
0: it was pretty embarrassing. I, I had a conversation with Nick Goff, who knows a hell of a lot more uh, about the bookmaking industry than I do. And he was talking about... I'll try and break this down very, very quickly. He was essentially saying that some bookmakers could not put themselves in the position where they would bankrupt themselves by, by doing this. The chances of Frank Editore going through the card... And if you look back on his Magnificent Seven, which my mother was working that day, and there was a woman who had a super hinds on, and there was loads of punchers just piling on 20s and 50s and 100s, just blindly backing Frankie. And they wiped out the bookmaker that day. Now, that bookmaker thrived afterwards. And anybody who's been doing multiples on Frankie de since was denied that opportunity on the day, and I'm just not comfortable with it. I think it's, as Kev said, I just think it's embarrassing. Anyway, Frankie wins an advertise. He's a horse who I was a little bit iffy about this season Kev <laughs> you
1: super dismissive
0: of oh, him oh very dismissive of him um, but fair play to Martin Meade he's got this son of showcasing nailed on six furlongs and uh, he's he's produced a very good performance
1: um, yeah a couple of different factors here the drop and trip the first time blinkers helped but you know I think a, a big aspect of this was Martin Mead had a very quiet time at the start of the season he's moved to Manton. and uh, I, I'm fairly sure I'm correct in saying he, he didn't have a runner there for the bones of a month um, he, he kept them he kept them off the track such was the, 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 the there, there was a bit of an issue there um, but he's having winners now they, they've bounced back to themselves and just in time for for Royal Ascot. and this was a, a great performance from him to be fair. The blinkers really did their job the drop and trip um, was just the job. And Frankie sure looked it, delivered him where he needed to, and he was good and strong at the line. Um, had very strong form in the book as a two-year-old. The question mark after his first run back this season was right. Maybe he hasn't trained on, uh, or was it just a trip, or what have you? And now we know he has trained on, and he's a sprinter, so he can kick on now. And and we'll see where he ends up. We he'll be he'll have to take on the older horses soon enough, and uh, we'll get an idea of the level of this form. First impression would be, you know, maybe not the strongest Commonwealth Cup we've seen, but we'll let him go and, and, and see where he slots in against the older horses. And, um, and yeah, look, there's a good bit to pick through in this, but but advertised well, was much the best on the day, I think it's fair to say.
0: Yeah. Um, just a brief word on, on Manson. That's the the yard that had been owned by the legendary Robert Sangster. And it's a very, very famous yard.
1: Yeah, a oh, huge, massive property there near um, near Marlborough, I think, in Wiltshire, off the top of my head. Um, Brian Meehan has been in there for for years. Like it's so big, you can set up like multiple trainers in there, and they'd, they'd hardly see each other. and say it's a massive, massive property with like endless gallops. Um, and George Baker was in there for a while. He's no longer in there. And um, Martin Mead. Has invested in there and is now based there. Uh, so yeah, like it's a place that, you know, the, the, the history of it is quite um, infamous in a way. W- wasn't it? Robert Sangster set up uh, Michael Dickinson to go in there, who was, yep. you know, obviously a hugely successful jumps trainer at the time, and was basically given a blank check and say, right, you you tell us what you need and we'll put it in to to make you. Um, give you a world class facility to hopefully go and be a big force in the game and it did not work out at all and um the, that that arrangement ended uh, and there's been a few different people in Manton since and I, you couldn't say that it's, it's ever established itself as a as a a leading um uh, training facility, I suppose, if you want to put it that way. But it, it has produced plenty of Group One winners, and now it has another one in advertise.
0: Fifty classic winners from there. It was established back in eighteen sixty. Fifty, many? Hey, wow. Yeah, but it, but bear in mind, it was established in eighteen sixty.
1: Oh yeah, this. Oh yeah, this was. You're not talking post sangster okay? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, sangster bought it in nineteen eighty four for how much?
1: Oh, billions.
0: Ten million pounds.
1: Oof.
0: In nineteen eighty four. So that's why. Yeah, the, 120 million.
1: <laughs> um, though I remember, I read, I read somewhere at some time there was a figure for the amount of trees that Michael Dickinson had planted around the place, like thousands and thousands and thousands of trees. Um, back, back at that time, uh, it was just a, it was a mad old. Time. It would have been an interesting place to be around at the time, I'd imagine. Like, and I'm a bit of a sad this way now. But if you go onto Google Earth. To that neck of the woods, like you get an idea of just how extensive this place is and how extensive the gallops are. Oh, like it's sprawling, it is it's massive. mad Yeah, it's, it's just massive. how big it is.
0: It is massive. Uh, John Gosden, Barry Hills, Michael Dickinson have all have all been based out of there as well. Um, yeah, it's look, it's it's a fascinating place. And Martin Mead has acquired it now. Um, if you can tell us what the conversion rate for 10 million pounds in 1984 would be now i'm going to guess 120 million i'd like to know it would have
1: yeah, been i, I get that pretty quick for you i'd say on uh, on the old interweb
0: good man so while you were doing that i shall mention the fact look fine performance from forever and dreams hello Yumzain. i'm sure kevin ryan will have been thrilled with his performance particularly having beaten calyx last time out he has gone off six to one so it's not like he was ignored in the market however the favorite was 10 sovereigns and he's not beaten far, but he's come up massively short in terms of the expectations that his team would have had. Kev?
1: Um, yeah, disappointing. Uh, disappointing. Looked like a horse that wanted to go a bit further, if anything. Um, yeah, just a bit disappointing. That jury's out a little bit. Um, yeah, you know, a little bit like too darn hot in the way. Uh, we knew how good he was as a two-year-old, but he hasn't quite done it this season. And... While we may not yet have landed at his ideal trip, he's just not performing to the level we would have expected based on his two year old form. So it'll be fascinating to see what they do if they maybe put a pair of cheek pieces on him over six or maybe run in the in the pre Jean Pratt in a couple of weeks' time over seven. And maybe even try him back at a mile, you know, because he did run well for an awful long way in the in the Guinea's. Um I don't know. Tricky they're in a tricky spot with him now. Um it, this this fellow will test Aiden. Uh, the, the next decision is a big one. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I don't want to be too bullish if he's mine. Probably, if he's fine, I'll probably run him in the pre-Jean Pratt and see what happens. Um, but that all depends on how he's come out of the race and how they're feeling about him. So I, I'll be I'll be watching this one closely with, with a very interested eye. I...
0: So you think that the step-up and trip will be the answer to him?
1: I think so. I think so. Based on that, I just... I just think he might he might want a little bit further now.
0: Okay.
1: But you know, and again, maybe he, you know, we've we've come away from the Guineas thinking he wants um, shorter, and we're coming away from the Commonwealth saying he wants further. So, um, yeah, he's in a he's in a tricky spot.
0: Yeah. Uh, a, a very very tricky spot. It may just be a case of he maybe maybe he's just not as good, Kev.
1: Possibly not. Possibly not. That may. That may ultimately be where we end up, but um, yeah, I think I'd say it must have a trick or two up his sleeve now. Mm-hmm. Before he, before the, before we get to that point. What year did you say that was? Nineteen eighty-something?
0: I've got it. Uh, I was way out. It's twenty-seven million pounds.
1: No, okay, okay.
0: It's still a considerable amount of money for the day. Like when you consider. Yeah. So it was 10 million pounds back in 1984. In 2019, that's worth 27,185,994 pounds and 93 pence to be precise.
1: How many acres in that? There was a monstrous amount what? of acres. It's of
0: that, isn't it huge. It is enormous. Um, going forward then, uh, Josh, we have to point out, was, was well-held. kadim who was my alternative in the race, didn't exactly shoot out any light bulbs. So... You've got no blue point on the horizon. Uh, presumably, advertised sticks to this trip and goes for the July Cup.
1: You'd imagine so. You'd imagine so. That would seem the, the very obvious route to go with him. Um, it was a funny. It was a funny race. Like for you know, for for a sprint, it was kind of shot. To, like a lot of them are shot to bits now, a fair way out. You know, the first four have finished a mile clear. Of the rest, you know, with some good horses in amongst those, you know, like you said, Jash and Kadim have, have really run below themselves for whatever reason. Um so yeah, July Cup. You'd be you'd be surprised if he didn't go July Cup if, you know he's he's very much a stallion prospect now you'd have to say as well. Um being by showcasing and, and again brute brute sire brute sire brute mare sire of the moment and pivotal again. Mm-hmm. So you know how much how much more we see of Advertise... Uh, will remain to be seen but yeah he, he'll stick to sprints surely um, have to give a big shout out to the second um, forever in my dreams because this one has, it has the the fingerprints of old podcast Ren Conman all over it again um, I was staying in the same hotel as him over there and he was floating on air as as Con always is but he he bought this filly's dam um, for like five grand in France cheap filly and she's thrown this one, and Khan had her, six grand. Sorry, it was Khan had her in training down in France last season. She won a few races, came up round in the Queen Mary. Ran really well, um, and has come back and won at Haydock this year. And now he switched. He switched a lot of his horses from France back to Ireland to Aidan Fogarty, who. Um, I neglected to mention in my in my roundup of the all oh, the goings on in the Golden Kilfeckal parish because Aidan Fogarty is very much uh, a Kilfeckal man and is very much in the parish as well.
0: He must have been highly <laughs> insulted.
1: Um, yeah, so they, they, like Aidan would have had runners for for many years, primarily national hunt runners. Um his father Joe Fogarty would have, would have stood national hunt stallions at their farm there for many years and they would have had plenty of winners they bred um they've bred piniophobia um, group 1 winning son of the great dandy man and they've bred um they've bred a heap of real good winners um over the years and and now Aidan is training for con and this filly after she won at haydock she went through the ascot sale and um, the evening before Uh, Royal Ascot commenced and changed hands for £430,000 to the the Phoenix Lady Syndicate. And she's gone and run an absolute belter here to finish second. An absolute stormer, career best by some margin. Uh, She's group one place now. And um, that's just a great result for everyone. Great result for Khan. Obviously got a great touch when he sold her. Um, Still has the mayor you know, it's a great result for him, great result for Aiden, and um, and a great result for for the the Phoenix Lady Syndicate as well who bought her because she's now worth more than than what they paid for her. One would imagine, and they look to have a lovely filly to to race on with. Yeah,
0: and they've they've managed to nail themselves a hundred grand straight away, hundred and seven thousand five hundred.
1: So the yeah, investment is already paying out
0: that big time, big time. But well done to Khan. Who's a regular listener to the podcast and keep up the good fight, my man. Uh, now, while I was having a pop at Rixie earlier on, to be fair, he was all over watch me. And, um, well done to the to be, to be
1: fair to Rixie. Rixie had a serious week, he had a brilliant the, uh, on week on the tippet front. He had a brilliant and week, and he was he was just as unbearable as you could imagine he would be. He, he was in the press room there for much of the week, and he's actually worse than you, he's worse than you watching races. And so, in the middle of the press room, we're going to 100. Uh, 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 professional press people in there, and Rixy's giving it the, come on, Freggy, come on, Freggy, come on, Freggy, then <laughs> and, and the <laughs> and, uh, by, by the end of the week, uh, by the end of the week, yeah, I was literally I was walking past him in the press room. Well, what did you tip here? Yeah, I tipped X. Hope I get struck by lightning. <laughs> It was very unbearable by the end of the week. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Uh, the thing is, I don't shout in the press room because everyone's, you know, making notes and, and keeping an eye on things. Uh, but out, outside or in, in the Final Front studios or, or at home, yeah, I'll roar my head off, which is why we should do a, a podcast watching racing and just cut it up. Uh, and you'll you'll hear me go ballistic. Um, the good thing yeah, is, yeah,
1: horrendous press room conduct from Rixie. So we will give him the praise with one hand and, and take away with the other. By the way, <laughs> by the way, Kev, they don't like that at Royal Ascot.
0: That's that's against ethics. Like, I, it's I suspect- protocol. I, 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 I say. If you wouldn't mind just conducting yourself with a little bit more decorum, young man.
1: Yeah, well, one of the green coats should have got him up with a scruff and thrown him out. Big time. Big time.
0: Don't care who you work for, mate. You are out of here. Uh, so yeah, he listen, the only good thing was that he wasn't wearing skinny jeans because they're banned for, for Alaska. <laughs> oh, um, so Watch Me goes and, and wins. Well done, Rixie. 20 to 1. Uh, as you said, he was floating on air. Car Park 2 celebrations all over the shop. Hermosa um, ends up getting fairly well held in the end, Kev. And it was a, another big surprise. I, I suspected a lot of people thought that Aiden was going to do the treble on the day. Um, but let's focus on the winner because she was undoubtedly, for all that I thought Japan was brilliant, she was the star performer on the day. Watch me.
1: She was really good. Um, and you know, you watch back the, the French 1000 guineas, and you know, she's clearly much better than the Bear Farm. How much better was a matter of opinion. And those that took a chance on her being much better than it, um got great rewards here at, at a very chunky price. And and look, she's ultimately won well. She's travelled very straightforward uh, for Pierre-Charles Boudot and um, put the rest to bed very well. Um, much the best on the day. And, uh, and it's just a, a nice filly going forward. Um, Hermosa, I take the view that she was just a bit flat um, she looked a little bit to me a bit on edge beforehand uh, and seemingly that's not her and maybe just three races in, in a short space of time was maybe just weighing on her a little bit um, there wasn't as much fight in her uh, as you'd expect based on new market the Curra. you know Pierre-Charles Boudot was clever he kind of leaned on her once he got past her just to make sure she couldn't come back at him and if she'd had a, a clearer go with him, she might have came back a little bit better, but that's just that's just splitting hairs now, the, the best filly one. But Hermosa, I wouldn't think this is a, a reflection of the full extent of her ability. Um, I'd imagine, I could be wrong, I'd imagine they'd freshen her up and maybe look to go up to 10 furlongs. and um, might be the way to go with her, but I, I wouldn't be giving up on her as a potential star filly for all that. It was disappointing to see her beaten. And, uh, and Jubiloso, who, you know, the, the chat about Jubiloso's work was the talk of Ascot for, for the first couple of days. Um, talk of, uh, of gallops at Newmarket, where she's absolutely humbled, Sang- Sangarius and others. Um, and she's run very well to a point. She's taken a step forward, maybe not as big a one uh, as many were hope, as her supporters were hoping for, but a step in the right direction, probably just a little bit raw, for what was being asked of her here and it wouldn't be a surprise at all now she goes on and wins a group one later in the season um for all that i'm sure some would be disappointed that she couldn't go a little bit closer here
0: yeah she was held by two fillies though two very very good fillies i, I would think uh, the the fact that ryan moore couldn't get to the lead like hermosa in my mind is more of a galloping filly she's a little bit like winter in that sense in that she's not necessarily a a massively turn of foot filly who's coming from off the pace. She's a she's a grinder out in front who leaves everything in her wake and then goes. Um and the fact that she was drawn wide and Ryan couldn't get to the lead, that probably did hamper her a little bit as well as her possibly being a little bit flat.
1: Um yeah you know, Ryan may look back on it and wonder, if it might it have been different had he made more use of her, but you know, he was drawn well outside Pretty Pollyanna. Pretty Pollyanna was was fairly set. On, on going forward herself, um, you know, we know that she isn't necessarily the strongest there at a mile. So I'd say Ryan was just a bit conscious of getting getting hooked up in a in a battle for the lead. You know, the, the pace that they did go was 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 fair. You know, I, I so it might just be again splitting hairs to say that she could she might have helped herself by going a bit faster. Maybe she would have, but I, to be honest if she went faster it probably would have settled up even more so for watch me who looks to have a sharp turn of foot I just think on the day Hermosa was just that bit flat and she was going to struggle to to keep watch me off her in the closing stages whichever way the, the the first half of the race went
0: yeah well with the handicap of having Olivier Pellier off her back she absolutely
1: failed <laughs> <laughs> poor on. Olivier
0: he gave her a shocker in the French guineas. We called him out at the time, and we'll call him out again. And uh, Pierre Charles Boudreau yeah, gave the horse an absolute stormer. And yeah, look, she looks a very exciting filly going forward, and hopefully we'll get to see a bit more of her in the UK and Ireland. Um, you'll definitely get to see her, though, if she is competing in France, live on Sky Sports Racing. For the first time in 32 years, a female jockey wins at the Royal Meeting. Take a bow, Haley Turner. The knighthood must be on its way. Arise, Sir Haley. Um, thanks be. S- 30 sir, 30 sir Haley? Arise, Sir Turner. Um, S- sir Turner. <laughs> brilliant of Tarth can be a sir. Why can't Haley be a sir? Uh, gotta get that old Game of Thrones, in his, If you can. Uh, spectacular scenes in the um, winner's enclosure. It, it was brilliant. And to be fair. Hayley Turner is probably the first female jockey that you can look at on the flat and say, well, she's really thrived out a professional career for herself. And she's struggled with the decision to retire, which has seen more comebacks than Muhammad Ali. But rightly so, because she loves this game and she's an in-demand rider. Trainers and owners want her and she's backed that up by being the first for 32 years since Kay Galloway, who incidentally backed her to win the race and was happy to aftertime on Twitter afterwards, <laughs> um, uh, that, that she's the first one to go and do it. And it's, it's a great time for female jockeys with Rachel Blackmore on over jumps and um, Bryony Frost. And uh, you've got um, plenty of young female riders coming through, Josephine Gordon uh, as well. But Hayley Turner has been the trailblazer for quite some time. And she now has this accolade.
1: Yeah, looking, it's a nice box to get ticked. Um, it was. It seemed a bit of an aberration. Look, Haley Turner's had bigger uh, achievements in her career than this. You know, she's a Group One winning jockey, um, but it, it was nice for her just to just to get that box ticked because it had been an awful long time. Um, and Haley, you know, is is you know, like you say, you know, the, Hayley was you know, her her best season was was ten years ago, probably. You know. Um, if not more so she's you know she's retired a couple of times she's had a, a bit of a run in with the authorities there not so long ago um, but she's back and I'm giving it a good crack now and um, you can tell it meant a lot uh, for her to do it um and, and yeah look it, it was it was it was one of those where the those that you know lo- love stories and racing it was hard to know which was the which would have been the bigger story you know Haley winning or the, the, a royal winner uh with magnetic charm just being touched off in second but it, it was nice there was a great feeling around the place afterwards and everyone very happy for Haley. and um yeah, look, I, I thought it was a huge run from the Philly in second, myself, Magnetic Charm. Her form had got a good boost with Twist and Shake running very well in the Coronation um, in the previous race, and she did a big job trying to give an awful lot of weight to the runner-up uh, and made a very bold bid. I think she's a, a proper stakes Philly, already a Listed winner. She'll be she'll be getting proper Group Black type in the near future, I'd imagine. And thanks be, you know, she'll still be, or <clears throat> she'll still be, you know, have handicaps open to her after this. She's, she's, you know, out of the handicap winning here and um, it wouldn't have been too easy to find on the old form book. But I think she's gone up to a revised rating of 90 now, so they can, they'll can, they still be able to go fishy-fishy in, in nice handicaps um, and pick up another one.
0: An official rating of 84 carrying 8 stone, an official rating of 105 carrying 9 stone, 7 for Magnetic Charm. Just goes to show you how difficult it was for the Queen's filly, but she's run a stormer, as you said, Kev, and a win can't be too far away. Uh, Baghdad wins for Ryan Moore and uh, the King of Scotland, Mark Johnston. uh, Just about, just about getting up, and this then was adding to the excitement of the the jockey's race between Frankie and, and Ryan. It was long odds on that Frankie would win it, but the fact that Ryan beat him a short head here just sort of added to that intrigue for for Saturday. Um, fine performance from both jockeys and a fine performance from Mark Johnson.
1: Yeah, um, and to be honest, I, I take my hat off to Mark Johnson now because I thought he'd made a, a bit of a balls of this, to be honest, because um, this horse won the, the King George V handicap last season. Um, you know, a race that's worked out incredibly well in the meantime. You know, first 11 back in third, cross counter back in fourth, uh, it, it just then heaps more it just worked out to be a very very strong handicap and Baghdad won it off 90 and um, <clears throat> he'd had a fracture afterwards and was obviously on the comeback trail but he was he was off a very nice rating for this race you know when when he made his comeback you tend to need to be kind of high 90s to get into this and, and you know 98 was what ended up being the bottom weight in it and he, his first run of this season was off 98 and um At the time, I'm thinking, right? You don't want to win this, Mark, do you? A nice run here will be lovely, and just a nice run, and you'll be spot on for Ascot. And sure enough, he had a lovely run in his comeback at Newcastle. Close third, went up two pounds. The, The 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 race planner in me was like, oh, thing of beauty, beautiful, perfect mark. Now, Mark, you're on the perfect mark to get into the Duke of Edinburgh. Do nothing. Do nothing, don't run him again, send him straight to Royal Ascot and you'll go and win the Duke of Edinburgh. Beautiful, couldn't be better. Sends him to Newmarket and wins. Like, March, Jesus, you've left behind <laughs> the Duke of Edinburgh to win, uh, You know, albeit a, a good prize at Newmarket. I'm like, come on. But uh, obviously the horse, <laughs> Mark knew better and knew he had enough up his sleeve to, uh, to take what was a, a £4 pound, uh, rise. Forward to to the Duke of Edinburgh and go and win anyway. Although it, it, it mightn't have been quite so desperate if he hadn't picked up those four pounds extra because he only had a short head in hand at the line. Um, but but to be fair, shaped better than than the than the ultimate winning margin. Um, he was in the race a lot earlier than uh, than the eventual runner up, and um, job done. And you know, a great job to get a horse back from a fracture, um, and not uh, no easy feat to win handicaps at the Royal Meeting two years in a row. And uh, Mark has gone and done
0: it. Yeah, no, very, despite, very much. Des-
1: despite his best efforts to ruin it. Despite his best efforts <laughs> to throw it all away.
0: Um, one for the expensive horse brigade as well. 300,000 euro as a yearling. <laughs> and if you did the reverse forecast, you're in Clover. 450,000 guineas as a yearling. Ben Vacky back in second. Two
1: for two Frankles.
0: For yeah, two Frankles as well. Um, and the reverse forecast paid, Kevin Blake. <coughs> Go on. Well, well actually, the exact is, is it, better. Uh,
1: don't even tell us. There's nobody doing reverse forecast based on yearning price tags. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you there is.
0: I guarantee uh, you somewhere. Listen, everybody has a system. What was his name? <laughs> Nord- Nick Morden used to come up with a new system every single week. And uh, I guarantee you someone's doing this, someone is. So if you played the pools, which Kevin talked about in his article this week, that the pools were, were much more uh, much better at Ascot, given the international feel, and we talked about that beforehand 32 pounds 90. 25 pounds 78 for the bookies. Shame on you bookies. Shame on you. Uh, that wraps up day four. We shall move on to a historic Saturday. Uh, we've already discussed Blue Point, but we'll talk about them again briefly, but the boys in blue, they're all rivalry. The old enemy, Bally Doyle, back in sepping, second with uh, Lupe Fernandez. Uh, but Tubu, who had been hugely impressive, to be fair, uh, at Epsom, makes it three from three and wins the Chesham Stakes in good style with what looks to be a nice horse, the son of uh, Lubtevega, back in second. Uh, Lubtevega by Sharmadal, but it was the daddy, Sharmadal, who succeeds here, Kev.
1: Yeah, That had a great week to be, to be fair and this fellow was very good. Um, strong cold, strong, great depth to him, lots of strength. And um, that's probably what's won the day here, I dare say. As good as he looked physically, he looked forward compared to a lot of these. And um, But in terms of the, the... Like he was free enough early on and... He, he he's won ultimately won very well, very strong in the closing stages. Um, I was a bit regretful actually. I was I was a small bit kind of down on it immediately afterwards, just with the view that this might have been his big day because he is that seemed that bit more physically forward <clears throat> than um, than some of his main rivals. But you know, the Ch- Chesham's a funny race. It often doesn't. The winners don't go on. You know, there's obviously a few exceptions. You know, Churchill chief amongst them. Um you know, my gut in the immediate aftermath was to say, right, this this might be as good as you ever look. But, you know, watching it back again, he, he was impressive, to be fair to him. He was impressive. Um, so I, I'm not necessarily as, as as down on it as I, not even down, but damning with faint praise as I was at the time. You know I'd love to see him take on Lupe Fernandez in a few months' time. I think that would be a really interesting rematch but but Lupe Fernandez has a fair bit of ground to make up now three and a quarter lengths is 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 a distance of ground um and Pinatubo to be fair, uh, would be a standard setter if they do meet again but um Lupe Fernandez heavy market support strong informed market support for him um Scopey horse you know will do better with time and you know shaped well for a long way but just maybe got caught out for a, a, a kind of a lack a lack of a lack of strength late on that um that pinatubo very much has physically lupe fernandez he might he just might not be there yet and th- this could be the classic case of the um <clears throat> you know watching a an under 15s rugby match and there's a there's a stocky sturdy lad there that's kind of bossing the show, and running over the big tall lanky lads but you you go back and watch the same group of lads when they're under 18s under 20s and the the, uh, the the stocky lad hasn't really grown all that much and the the big tall lanky lads all of a sudden they've been in the weights room and they've uh they they've they filled their frame and it, it's very much a different story as to who's dominating who and i just i that that would be my my impression that if they meet again at the end of the season that Lupe Fernandez will, will have progressed and, and maybe Pinatubo will have progressed as well. But my thought would be Lupe Fernandez is his rate of progression uh, might be that bit stronger than Pinatubo's and the hope would be that that rate of progression would bring him past Pinatubo, but it's no certainty. Um, two Two nice horses here.
0: Shamadel by Giants Causeway, out of a Delacanima and Lava Flow, he's beautifully bred. You would very much like to see him go on to to greater things, but your talk about their confirmation beforehand is is very, very interesting. Lupe Fernandez, obviously uh, a half to the mighty Dark Vision, the superstar. Um, which may have contributed to his nine hundred thousand pound yearling price tag. Who knows? But uh, speaking of dark vision, it's going to be the vintage stakes next for Pinatubu at Goodwood. Uh, I would imagine that Lupi Fernandez will target something in Ireland.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a kind of a series of races there. That, um, there's what's it called? Um, the Tyra stakes, maybe. Might go for that. That could be the one at Leopardstown, maybe seven furlongs, potentially. You know, he, he'd be I'd imagine he'd be the type of horse that they'd give a they'll try and keep him at seven and you know lead him towards the national stakes uh, I'd, I'd imagine that that might be the way they go with him um but he, he's still an exciting horse now and uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be giving up on him for all that he was a little bit disappointing given that he was one of the the bankers of the week I suppose for the Irish but he um he wouldn't be one to give up on and and again like just to reiterate I, I don't want to be too negative on Pinatubo, but I just don't think his rate of progression will be will be as steep as Lupe Fernandez. But um, to repeat, you know, Lupe Fernandez does need to improve a fair chunk to get on top of Pinatubo.
0: What about the so the tire stakes, as you mentioned, Kevin Leppert's time, What about the tire stakes, and then the futurity onto assuming that his rate of progression continues and he actually goes and wins those races onto the national stakes? Then
1: yeah, that'd be that'd be a well worn route. Um, there's, there's actually we used well, we I say we, we I used to have a bit of a, a name for that. It was the, it was the Tiafilo route. Yeah. I'm fairly sure. I'm fairly sure that's the way he went.
0: That's exactly how he we went.
1: Um, and Jim repeated it a few times afterwards. But that would be a very kind of a well-worn route. The programs there, they're well spaced. Um, and that that would seem to be the the natural route for them to go. And just looking up here for for the sake of interest, because like, I forget off the top of my head. What route they went with Churchill after he won the Chesham uh, He may well have gone down that road I from think memory.
0: It was similar enough. For, did he, see, he compete? In the yeah, teams? he he
1: went down exactly that route. Yeah, yeah, Tyros, route. Um, Futurity National.
0: Yeah, it just makes um, sense then that they'll they'll do that. And the exciting thing about that then is that if both continue to progress and they stay fit and healthy. Maybe we'll see them in the Dewhurst.
1: Yeah, I've same. Could, could they could meet in the national? Um, the, the boys in blue, aren't slow but coming over to the national states. Right. Some great yeah. clashes over the years. Yeah, I'm right. Um, yeah, that'll be that'll be a fun race. Uh, you know, assuming they both keep going the way we're 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 billing them as, as being likely to. Um, you know, Arizona potentially in the mix as well. Aye. aye.
0: Pretty exciting one, that pretty exciting one. We'll have to wait and see. This is this is the really exciting time of year about the flat, when you've got these exciting juveniles who've put up big performances. I know Lope Fernandez has been fairly well held in the end, but you can see the promise there. It was only two weeks since his debut, and Pinatubo looks a very exciting one as well, and as Kev said, you've got Arizona in the mix as well, so this is one of the most exciting times of the year about the flat because you can dream about what these horses can be the jersey stakes over seven furlongs is run on properly good ground uh, the boys in blue were being sent off sure price favorite with space blues but it was that man Richard Fahey and space traveler who came and nutted them uh, with angels hideaway back in third great result for Fahey
1: yeah, and that man, Danny Tudhope, again. Um, you know, Fahi had been kind of knocking his head against the wall for the week, and it, it was great for him to get a winner. Um, wouldn't have been the easiest one to find. He, he's kind of jumped out of the ground. This was another winner for Baited Brett um, out of a Galileo mare, the other coming force in terms of Broodmare Cyrus. Um, and, yeah, just to see, I wouldn't have found this one, um, to be fair. But... <clears throat> had been a little bit unlucky at Maison Lafitte on, on the previous start and clearly proved much, much better than that here. Um, it, it was a pretty rough race now in, in mm-hmm. places in behind, and James Doyle didn't have the the, the best of times in the Space Blues, and there was a fair thing in the tail for him as well. He got, um, not only did he get two days careless for coming out on top of So Perfect, he also got two days for... Um, exceeding the, the, the limit of whip strikes permitted. So four-day holiday um, earned from this defeat. So that was a bit of a frustrating one for him in what was otherwise a very good week. And um, yeah, I, I just, I've, again, I don't know how good of a jersey this was, but I want them to be thrown stones. Um, the few disappointments in behind, a um, bit of a left-field winner. Um, you know, I hope it's just the case that the winner has just improved the chunk and it isn't up to scratch jersey. But I'll just reserve judgment until we we see a little bit more, uh, in the coming weeks and months.
0: I'll come back to those whip bands towards the end, Kev, but we'll we'll kick on, um, and and move on to the success of Defoe, who proved that it was not a fluke in the coronation stakes, um, 11 to 4. We had talked about it in depth with, um, with the lads with Rory and with Declan Maher. And uh, I was kind of a little bit dismissive of Defoe, five years of age and winning at Group 1, but Roger Varian's done it again. He had a great week. And um, in the end, you've got uh, Nango Gold running a massive race for, for Christophe Sumion. The Derby winner, understandably, is disappointing. Southern France, disappointing. Salouin, eh, But Defoe, to be fair to him, He's come there very, very powerfully, and he's won with Nango Gold chasing him. He's he's won well enough. He's he's done quite enough, I thought.
1: Ah, really messy race from from the get go. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> incident at the start there that. That's... Um, Massar has stumbled really badly and lurched out to his right, interfering with Nagano gold, um, horrendously messy start to the race. Then there wasn't a whole lot of pace on
0: James nearly Um, came
1: off him as well. Yeah, it was messy, very messy. You know, to be fair to Massar, he's run a great race. I think after that, he's got into the race around the outside and made a bid and then just got a bit tired. Um, very excusable. Wouldn't knock him at all for that. Um, Defoe's done his job to be fair he's had a he's had a wide enough spin and uh you know there were, you couldn't say he got a dream run by any measure uh, by any stretch but he picked up very well and, and got the job done and probably matched what he did at, at Epsom um like this I just think there's a chance that Gelding might have brought him forward a little bit and it just it just took him a couple of starts to to hit full stride and now he's now he's rolling um and uh, I wouldn't consider this too fluky, but I know there'd be plenty of people that would consider the runner-up Nagano gold an unlucky loser. Um, obviously got wiped out at the start, left poorly positioned as the race went and has run big time in the final few furlongs to, to get as close as he did. Um, a real sickener for his connections, you'd have to say, um, Czech Republic-based connections. Um, he's a horse that has primarily raced in, in France and performed to it to a you know a smart level you know this wasn't a complete bolt from the blue i know we can be um, a bit dismissive in this part of the world with horses coming from the likes of the Czech republic but yeah. he he had been to france time and time again and, and run to a, a good level um, albeit not not a level like this but it wasn't a complete bolt from the blue and his connections can take him forward now to a to a King George, or um, I think there's talk um, Australia is being considered, and you know they can they can be as ambitious as they like now because this was a very good run and entitles them to go compete anywhere they want in the world over a mile and a half or even a bit further. Um, so fair play to them for for having the the cojones to come and have a crack.
0: Yeah, and on another day, I mean, I know Massar gets wiped out at the start, so you can obviously discount his run but on another day um, you could see Christoph Simeon getting up on this Czech Republic rider. and look Royal Ascot is a truly international meeting so it's nice to see them come over and um, not get stuff like Deirdre was well held in the Prince of Wales stakes but Nagano Gold runs a, a monster race for Christoph Sumion, and then you'd like to think that uh, Valkav Luka Jr who owns the horse as well as trains him will uh, will be back for more in the UK And uh, and why not? why not um, what's your takeaway from this race Kev um,
1: what's my takeaway what's my takeaway yeah I, I wouldn't have the level of this form super high you know there was disappointments and excuses in behind Defoe did his job and the Gano gold bit unlucky you know could well be capable of better on another day um, I give Massar another chance. I'd love to see Massar back at ten furlongs. Oh, um, you know, it was only really in the build-up to Ascot that, that 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 I watched the Derby back again for the first time in a long time. And you know, to me, he really shaped like a horse. Uh, and looking back on my my notes afterwards, you know, I took the view that yeah, he could be one that will probably be better at ten than twelve. Um, so that's something I'd love to see examined at some stage, be it in the in the jump month international or something like that that would be that would be fun to watch um but i just hope i, I haven't seen any reports now I just hope he's okay after that cuz that was uh, that start was very very ugly and uh, and could have been worse so hopefully he's coming it wasn't a good experience for him but hopefully he'll he'll bounce out of it and we'll get to see him again relatively soon
0: and in terms of your position on the older horse division now so we've seen the prince of Wales six we've seen this race what's your what's your thinking now
1: yeah, well, Defoe will go to King George, I'd imagine, and you know, being realistic, if the, if the likes of Japan takes him on, the winner of the Irish Derby, um, and others, you know, you'd you'd, you'd imagine he'll be a, a big enough price. Um, I think the wide the wide expectation would be that he'll come up short at the very highest level against the likes of those horses in the King George. But um, like I say, I can see. I can see a reason why he's come forward. He might have been a help to him, but whether um, he's come forward enough to be a, a real competitor at world-class level, which I don't think either of his last two races have been at a world-class level, um, that remains to be seen.
0: Massar is going to head to the Group 2 Princess of Wales 6 at Newmarket's July meeting.
1: OK. That's okay. where it's going to
0: go next. So presumably a confidence booster and build from there. Uh,
1: yeah, that'd be that'd be good.
0: Yeah, and and you would think that he would be able to to go and and win that race. Um, it'll be interesting to see who turns up in the day. So we've already discussed Blue Point's historic victory. Um, we can touch on it again. It's a double that's only been done three times. He is the third to do so. Schwazier was the last to do it back in two thousand and three. Uh, he bows out on the top. I was, felt very sorry for William Buick that he wasn't able to ride. Uh, I'm sure James Doyle was absolutely thrilled, but William Buick has since said that he's the fastest horse I've ever ridden. Um, and just the, the takeaway is it was a brilliant, historic performance. It was great to see. Yeah, it wasn't as breathtaking as, as maybe Tuesday's success, but you're trying to back up at Royal Ascot very quickly. It's never really going to be um, unless your coach was here. But he's gone and done it. And it's just a shame that he's not going to be there for the sixth furlong division for the rest of the season, given that he's not off to shuttle in Australia, like Merchant Navy did last season.
1: Yeah, like uh, to be fair, just on the performance, you know, it might not have been as spectacular in the end as Tuesday was. But I really it was an enjoyable race to watch, you know, because on paper it looked likely to pan out better for him than Tuesday did. Um obviously it mattered little. He, he did his own thing on Tuesday in one and won Anoway, but he was drawn right beside Catchy, you know, here. So you kind of knew, you kind of knew he was going to get a good toe into the race for a long way. And that's exactly what happened. Catchy did what Catchy does. He he pinged the gates to the extent you're wondering, did his stall open early? And uh, he's away and, and clear the field early, clear of, of a field of four-class sprinters. You know, he's just, he's just class. And uh, Blue Point got a beautiful toe into the race. Um, probably could have done with Catchy hanging in there for a little bit longer. Ideally, if you're James Doyle, because as as we talked about on the, the last podcast, the stiff six at Ascot is probably as far as he wants to go. So, um, if he could if he could have had something to catchy to lead him into the race for a little bit longer and allow him to take his time a little bit more than he did, it probably would have helped him. But and um, he got to the front and 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 did his thing. It got a little bit desperate late on with Dream of Dreams thrusting at him. But he had enough in reserve to hold on, and um, he he earned it. It was a good, really good performance. Maybe not quite as good as Tuesday's, but you'd forgive him that given the the the, the quick turnaround, um, and the fact that the the, the course and distance on Saturday probably isn't as isn't quite as suitable as the course and distance on Tuesday. Um, and look, like as I say, he'll he'll be missed. Um, I I don't really get it. It's a slightly strange. Well, it's it's more than slightly. It's a strange decision. Um, given who owns him. Uh, and yeah, the sprint division will, will be all the weaker for his absence, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. From the commercial point of view, you can... Und- I know it's not... Look, this sounds very biased that you're just... Oh, you're blindly taking Coolmore's side. But they made it very clear from the get-go so that nobody would be backing him for the July Cup that Merchant Navy was going to retire after the Royal Ascot run.
1: That was I it. don't know if they did. I think, I think they think did. The, 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 there was... There was there was a thought that he might, but it wasn't confirmed until afterwards i'm, I'm fairly certain I think they
0: did kev i am willing to be corrected on that, um, but they yeah certainly... I, I'm, I'm
1: fairly I'm fairly sure because I know I remember covering the race in the immediate aftermath, and there was yeah, I, I don't think they'd said it beforehand. I, I... think that there might there might have been a thought that he might, but it definitely wasn't confirmed till afterwards.
0: I think it was an open secret I think it had been it had been there. Uh, but they did say straight away, Donzo. Thanks very much. There will be there will be no rematch with City Light at the July Cup. We are done. Um, which just, you know, from a commercial perspective, that's fine. You know, you want to bring them back to Australia. That's grand. But they're not doing that with Blue Point. They're not going to Australia, which we've established already. And the, the quote from them is, "We've, you know, what more is there to prove?" Well, quite a bit, actually. I would have thought. You know, you've still got very valuable group sprint races that are there, go and run them. That's what we want to see. If you're not going to retire to stud straight away, unless there's some kind of a problem that we don't know about, go. Let, let's see him in the July Cup. Let's see him on, on Champions Day. Go to the Breeders' Cup. Let's let's see. This is what we want, but done.
1: Yeah. Yeah, disappointing. But look, he, he will be a fabulous addition to the Sire ranks. I'd love to use him myself. Um, but... You know, just with just with the connections there, we know how much of a sportsman Sheikh Mohammed is. Yeah. Um, it's just just as su- surprising, just surprising. Um, you know, if they if they wanted to take the view that he'd nothing more to prove, you know, why not retire him after Tuesday? You know, because uh, I don't know how much more he proved about himself on Saturday than he did not on Tuesday. You know, it's clearly a massive achievement, but uh, if you want to go down the road of you know just. Uh, Having proved, having proved everything, you know, if I was that on Tuesday, his third or fourth Group One, um, yeah, it just seems slightly odd to me.
0: I think doing the double yeah. means a lot, and they had Harry Angel last year, and obviously that was a disaster. So you're not going to do the double in that instance. But yeah, it's just it's look, it's it's slightly odd in in my mind. Uh, Dream of Dreams has run a crackers as he said, catchy. He's run a blinding race, to be fair, and he's bringing that. While others are failing to progress with the all-weather form from Champions Day, Catchy is very much bringing that forward.
1: You know, I think Catchy is a re I'm a huge Catchy fan. Geez, he's a lovable horse. Um, I just wish he was campaigned a bit differently. You know, like this horse is made for a Breeders' Cup Sprint, oh. turf sprint. You know, a Hong Kong Sprint. You know, it's no secret he's absolutely deadly round the bend. And um, his connections, seemingly, uh, his owner specifically, I believe, don't want to go to those races. Why? Which I don't know. I don't know. It, um, it's it's yeah. I don't know. It, it's he'd be. You'd imagine he'd be deadly round round those. Like he, he's never. I think I'm right in saying he's never run outside England. Maybe. They have, uh, maybe he has an aversion to traveling. I'm speculating. I have no idea if that's the case, but I'm trying to come up with why you wouldn't go to Hong Kong or why you wouldn't go to America to to races that would seemingly really suit him, you know, group ones.
0: Mm-hmm. That are worth a fortune, Kev.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I'm sure he'll end up with studs somewhere, like he's a son of, son of Kilaki um that you know is is very marketable because he's so he's so likable mm. and he's so fast and he he's put together a great cv um you know and he he was doing it as a two year old as well but yeah if you if you want to win a group 1 with this fella lads I think you're going to have to go around a bend and there's none of those in this neck of the woods nope um so it's, it's something I'd love to see you know I just just as a as a fan of catchy and um, from, a, from a sporting point of view, that would be fun. And I think it would show him to really good effect. And um, may, if, if there is, uh, if there is a, a logical reason why, then by all means, I, I'll, I'll withdraw that comment. But um, if there is a possibility that he could go, I'd hope his connections might change their mind and give him a crack. Well, it's not because, like he's uh, raced
0: in Ireland and had a bad experience. Like he's never in his life competed outside of the uk
1: yeah and look like i say maybe there's a reason why but if there isn't um geez, how would you know that's... well I, I don't unless the think yeah,
0: they, um, they, they can't I've, know either
1: uh, um, well i i don't know i don't know run but, him uh, it, it's it's something I'd lo- it's something i'd love to see and i'm, I'm i know i'm far from alone in, in that thought yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's the, the consensus on social media as well. Uh, that being said, he's run, uh, run a stormer. But if you want to go and win a, a group or grade one, lads, come on. Take him over to the States. Take him to Hong Kong. There are races to be run with him. He's a weapon around the bend. Uh, speaking colours, run another huge race for Joseph, uh, picking up fourth place here.
1: Yeah, massive run. Thrilled with him, yeah. Um, a bit worried that the ground was getting a bit spicy for him. But he, he ran really well despite that. Um he, he could potentially run this weekend at the car Actually, um, assuming he's o- assuming he's okay, um, in the coming days, he's, we, we gave him an entry um, there today, so he could potentially back up quickly. And um, he's a horse that uh, it, it may or may not happen now, but I'd say he's a horse that'll that'll try seven at some stage, and um, and it'll be fascinating to see. I, I suspect it'll suit him. But um, we'd have to wait and see. He's operating at a good level at the minute at six. And uh, yeah, Trill would have really good run. Yeah. Um, he would have been one now that um, he, he wouldn't have minded an ease in the ground at all. So the fact that he could do it now on on, on what, what at this stage was rattling, record-breaking ascot ground um, is really, really encouraging. He's a super horse.
0: Yeah, no he really is that rest was fast by 98 seconds as well um invincible 98 arb- seconds jesus sorry by 98 seconds <laughs> by point 98 seconds the decimal point can occasionally <laughs> be important seeing as the winning time was one minute 11 seconds 42 <laughs> splits jesus christ
1: His catchy catches fast oh, he's not that fast <laughs> oh my goodness i need to go to
0: bed uh it's been a long all day um Invincible Army, we talked about beforehand. He was being sent off a short price favorite. That Obviously, the market got turned on his head with Blue Point in there, and he has been disappointing. If you listen to Declamara, you'll have done all right. Um, we all debated about the French horses to going back. ay yeah, ay one of them didn't even run, and uh, City Light was, was well held from last season. So, um, What did you make of the performance of Le Brevido? This was odd. He's running the Queen Anne, and then he goes here.
1: Yeah, he's run quite well, hasn't he? It was, it was kind of a left field thing to do, but to be fair, when the arrived in Ballydoyle, I think they kind of had they had a decision to make, whether to try and make him a sprinter or a mile. Or it wasn't; it was far from clear cut. Um, I, I thought he ran quite well here. He was hitting the line hard. Um, you'd imagine well, it'd be interesting to see what their next step is now. Where do they go? Sprint next time? Or where do they go mile, or maybe they'll go mid range. I'd say um over in will, France.
0: I'd say they'll do a US Navy flag on it and go for the July Cup.
1: Maybe, maybe. He'd be an interesting one now in the, the Mars the Geist um, and or the foray potentially. Yeah. yeah. Um but he's, he's got to go and do it now. He, he's he's promising and he's not fully delivering. Um, it's all well and good missing the kick and running on, but you you get, you gotta get involved in these finishes.
0: Yeah, and he's just not doing that right now. But he is, to be fair, he is hitting the line. He's going there. But um, yeah, they're gonna have to do something with him to to get him to win a Group One. But hey, maybe could do a U.S. Navy flag. Uh, Wokingham Stakes went another big day for Roger Varian. The favorite, Kate Byron, coming out on top of uh, Clive Cox's Tis Marvelous with Danzino. Uh, back in third for Frankie de This was a wide open race, Kev. Um, very, very competitive. Hey, Jonesy he ends up finishing ninth. Uh, and that kind of sums up the race. It was wide open, but it's ended up going to the favorite.
1: Yeah, he was smashed up in the bet in this lad and he's one now that I, plenty of people fancied him. I, I kind of had my eye on him coming in thinking he might be a bit sneaky, but um, clearly plenty of people were thinking along the same lines. He was a really frustrating horse last season. He turned up in all the big seven furlong mile handicaps through the season and kept finding one too good or things going wrong. And it was, shall I say... The Varian team now are banging their heads straight through walls um, with this horse last season. It was a real frustration, um, but he's come back and won the Victoria Cup. And the the thing about him is, and you watch back all his races, all those big handicaps, geez, he's a horse that traveled well and he'd make big, big forward moves in his races and not always follow them through, but he looked like a horse with plenty of pace and uh, and my thought coming in here was that drop to a strongly run stiff six might just be the thing that that helped him click and um it's proven to be the case he's uh, importantly he's in the right part of the track the pace was up the middle here and that's where he was and he got a lovely spin through the race and he's ultimately won well he's won this off 107 um I don't know if it's a big statement or not because I haven't seen the bet wouldn't surprise me if this fella can compete in the July Cup I um, think he's a good horse and he, he's a sprinter and um, the, if you're winning the Wokingham well off 107 you're, you're not far off a group one sprinter um, and he's relatively low mileage um and yeah i like i like this i thought this was a good performance
0: and you just, um and,
1: and another one for Shamerdal.
0: yes another big result for for Shamardal on the week and you look back through his form last season you know, flaming spear is really solid and a favorite of mine rip or really solid raising sand and ascot favorite you know he was beaten by him there, not beaten far Like settled for bay he's only beaten seven lengths by him in the end uh, over the mile that drop-in trip has clearly had a, a big impact on him and um, he does indeed have an entry for the July Cup so
1: yeah and I could see it and to be fair like you know I was kind of slagging Roger Varian afterwards like what a terrible job he'd done he'd been running the horse over the wrong trip all his life But <laughs> like if you looked at his pedigree like he's bred to be a mile um, maybe even 10 furlong horse you know
0: Sham- so, I of esteem, Murray, yeah,
1: yeah to, to, it wouldn't have been an obvious one on paper but um, why he frustrated the life out of him last season, and um, he's won a Victoria Cup and a Walkingham now, so he's made up for it in uh, fairly jiffy this season. And um yeah, I, I can see him going competing in a, in Group One sprints. I think he's a good horse.
0: Anything in behind that uh, you're putting into the Athritis tracker to watch out for next time out?
1: um well the second i, I fancy the second The second oh. was the one i went i was oh. the one i went for at the end and um tis marvelous and he's run a great race to be fair if you if you watch back to Walkingham last year that he was he was um 40 and he, he didn't just guess the kindest the passages he was made he to make his challenge in the wrong part of the track relative to where the action was and he ran very well considering and he got a much more favorable spin race this time and he probably wins 8 out of 10 Wokinghams, but he, he bumped into a bit of a good thing here and um uh, and just got caught out. But he, a good, solid run, good training performance from Clive Cox, you can be sure. He, he he would have had a repeat bid at this race in mind for him, and he just brought him along steadily this season, got him down a few pounds, and uh, had him cherry right to run a big one on the day and just happened to bump into one that, that could be a Group 1 winner in the making.
0: What a betting week for us, Kev. What a betting week it was. Oh, oh horrendous. My <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Just peas and carrots everywhere. Um, you, you
1: know what Mick Fitz says? There I you go!
0: <laughs> we yeah, need the soundboard did. of Mick for the, for the pod. <laughs> uh, the Queen Alexandra Stakes went to Andrew Balding and Sylvester D'Souza. I'm sure he was thrilled to get on the winner's enclosure. Palisaders run a massive race. Uh, last year's winner again at the ripe old age of 10 for Oshin Murphy and Gordon Elliott. Max Dynamite looked as though he could compete, but he's kind of just become a little bit outpaced towards the end, Kev, but a huge result for Andrew Balding again.
1: Yeah, and look, at a great win for, for King Power. Obviously, extremely tough year, and um, they had, had a bit of a tough week, to be fair, coming up to this. They, they had some horrendous misfortune, the likes of Fox Chairman or what have you, but um, last race of the week, bang bang. Job done. Um, you know, this was a horse that he'd run very, very well behind DXB at Ascot on his penultimate run. The Chester Cup run could be could be thrown out because the the ground was horrible and um, had a horrible position in a in a, in a really odd race. And uh, produced in great shape by Andrew Balding, you'd have to say he'd, he'd had a couple of goes um, at the Ascot stakes over the years, and you know, I'd run okay. Just okay, um, not fine? Pre- no. Well, fine, uh, maybe last year, but uh, not not so much um, the previous year. But delivered in great shape here and and grounded out stays forever, and um, and had a little bit more pace than some of the some of the, the other slow boats in opposition. Um, Palace <coughs> great job by Gordon. This, uh, look, this horse is a very um, checkered history. He's ten years of age. He very much has his own ideas. And for Gordon, too, to sweeten them up to peak him for this day again and run a stormer. Having won it last year was it was a great job. And um, Max Dynamite, I'm not so sure he's he stayed. Uh, you could have called his stamina into question when he's tackled these extreme distances before and uh, I, I just wonder about his how, how just how well he stays this last the last furlong or two furlongs of this sort of trip I'm just not 100% sure um, lucky deal is slower than a tort funeral um, <laughs> and, and and very much showed it again here it was half the pride the long way out and just plugged and plugged and plugged um, he, they need to go really hard in front of him over a really long trip to bring his stamina into play um couldn't go far enough for him. There's no there's no races over longer trips than this. So, nope. This um, is it. <laughs> uh yeah, but he, he ran well to be fair to him, but just um just maybe didn't go quite hard enough for him on the front end.
0: He is the very definition of a boat. He's Don Poley. Don Poli could have won this race. Uh,
1: I I, w- I would back Don Poli in a sprint against Lucky D. <laughs> I'd,
0: I'd back Don Poli <laughs> in a match bet over this trip uh, on the flash. Um, yeah, it's put him over jumps, and uh, he might win the the potato race, Mark, possibly. Um, all right, that wraps it up. Uh, Max Dino, just before we go, because he was sent off the, the price that he was, he's run tremendously well in two Melbourne Cups third and second but he's not the force he once was
1: Um, probably not probably not but he's run all right here and I just yeah I, I, I w- I'd like to reserve judgment on how much ability he retains until he's maybe back to two miles
0: okay
1: Um, he, look he clearly stays very well but to, you know an extended two mile five is just a little bit beyond of, you know when he ran in, in the Gold Cup a few years ago um, that was that was my view that he just the, the, he arrived when I mean, just when he got into the red zone, he just cried enough. You know, I know he's run very well in, in a Doncaster Cup over a few furlongs shorter. So it's, it's a marginal thing with him. But I, I just think when you when you get up to two and a half and beyond, it's just a, it's just a bit too far for him.
0: It's good crack seeing Black Court in the lineup. He's finished way off the pace, but um, good old crack seeing him line up sure why not sure, sure why not yeah <laughs> and uh as the second last horse home said cool blimey mate we're done <laughs> uh, that is your review of royal ascot 2019 uh, kevin blake your highlights my friend
1: um actually look it's boring but you'd have to say a frankie like that was we, we we've talked about it on the pod before you know sometimes watching on TV or being present at a sporting event, you just get a feeling that, like, oh, oh Jesus, this is special. Something's going to happen here. This is this is one of those moments, special moments. And it really had the feel of that now at Ascot on Thursday. Oh, oh Lord, the, the energy has swept up the place. The, he can't do it, can he? Um, and then he goes and gets the fort in Stradivarius, um, made for uh, a very special feeling sporting occasions so it it has to be that you know you, you you could be a bit of a hipster now and put up something else but that's the highlight you know the, normally there's no right or wrong answers to these things but that was, that was the highlight
0: <laughs> yeah i mean kev look my highlight was Kate byron you know getting it right training you know reversing yeah, to me it was frankie as well it, it really was um because the thing about frankie is that ryan moore is brilliant all right. He's one of the best jockeys in the world and deservedly has the position that he has. And there will be plenty more Group One successes for him to come. But you're not putting Ryan Moore on a question of sport. You know, he's no, not going to sit in. He has, he and,
1: has the, the, the public persona of a turn up, I think
0: <laughs> Haley Moore, turn off the podcast. <laughs>
1: Uh, I, I doubt Haley would disagree.
0: Haley wouldn't, to <laughs> be I'm, fair. And, I,
1: and I'm talking, and I'm talking public persona, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, no, no, you people, talk, you you talk to people and know the man, and he's he's much a uh, much, you know, he's a funny guy. And I well, don't know him at all. Well, that's that's what's funny I, about know, it, though. I, is, I you, do get told that he's, he's quite a witty fellow and, and good company. Yeah. Um, when when he's in private, but I, um, I think when
0: the lads have him away at the golf course, he's great crack, is my understanding. But I can understand why. He wants to keep that back for himself now. I can, I can, I can, yes, I, can
1: see I, I, I can personally. Um, I, I just, it never, it never made a of sense to me why you'd behave the way he behaves. But, um, but that's uh, another conversation for another day. I,
0: I, I can see it. I, 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 I can understand it. But, Frankie, as you said, if Ryan had done what Frankie did on the Thursday, there would not have been the atmosphere that there was at, at Ascot. And that's no disrespect to Ryan. It's just that Frankie transcends the sport everybody loves him he's this incredible character he's 48 years of age and he's still riding at the very peak of his powers
1: and cheesy is fresh for it he really he is, is he is fresh for it physically he's very very he looks in, in super nick for his age you know you know sometimes with these older athletes you watch them walking around, and you can just you can just see they're getting they're getting a bit older, showing their age. But geez, Frankie is is is, is in some nick. Like geez, at the rate he's going, with the with the apparent enthusiasm, like oh, he's he's going to be going. You know, barring something um, unexpected happens. You know, geez, it's hard to see him retiring anytime soon. Yeah. Anytime soon. Like, you will be talking kind of, you know, nicely into his 50s at this rate.
0: And he has talked about how much he wants, because he rode against his father. He wants to ride against his son. He wants to compete against his son, who's currently 14, I think. So that's that's a new aim for him now, that he wants to keep on going to, to keep that dream alive. So hopefully he can. Hopefully he'll stay fit and sound and well, because he's some character. He's just electric, and um, he brings meetings like, like this alive. Uh, look, he might, not be, he might not be in the same vein of form on a normal day, but I think we can all be like that. But when it comes to the big occasion, on the global stage, there's nobody that you want to be with rather than Frankie de Tori. And, and we had this discussion on the podcast last year. You know, Who's the best big race jockey in the world? It's Frankie, isn't it?
1: Yeah, Jesus it, it takes some whacking now because again we, we've talked about it before like with sportsmen you know some lads when the pressure when the real pressure's on when the real scrutiny's on when the stakes are, are couldn't get much higher some lads grow and some lads shrink and Frankie just becomes an absolute giant on those occasions and that's been the case for, for decades at this stage and it still is um, he's just a, a colossus when the real pressure comes on, there—I don't think there's anyone else you, you'd want on your side in, the, in those extreme situations that, that would buckle a lot of tip-top sportsmen. Uh, Frankie's the man I think you, you want on your side more than any other.
0: Well, just finally, so before we go, because thankfully there are a lot of new, a lot of new listeners to the Final forum podcast that we can see in the analytics. So first of all, welcome to the show. Um, thank you to whoever that was that. Um, put Peter Fornitzel in his place in Car Park 2. Oh, I love you on the podcast. Oh, when did you start listening to the... I don't listen to the Indie Money podcast. What is that? No, the final furlong. Thank you very much for that. Uh, but Kevin and I had this conversation last year on the podcast, and I'll just briefly re- re-mention it again, because you've, you've touched on it, and it it's bears repeating for the season going forward. In the moment, in those big race moments, and they're still to come, Kev, the Irish Derby, the Arc, all the big race days, there are certain jockeys that when that pressure is applied, they really do feel it. And for some reason, whatever way the, their cloth is cut, for Ryan Moore and for Frankie Dettori, they thrive. For Christophe Sumion, thrives. They want the big occasion. They want to embrace it. They're all about it. They love the crowd. And they will take the defeat. If they're wrong, if they make a mistake, they'll take it, they'll handle it, they'll deal with it, and they'll move on, and they'll do it the next time. But for some... It's just too much. And that might be a a really talented jockey, but that pressure just weighs far too heavily.
1: So you're basically just repeating my point? Yep, why not? (laughs) Copy, paste,
0: put it off as your own.
1: Oh, man. That'll do. Let's let's wrap it up.
0: I'm off for um, a Mars ice cream. Yeah, that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> uh, we are back with you on Thursday to look ahead to the Curra uh, with Rory DeLarghi, Sarah Lynham for the review from Kevin Blake. Good luck. And from Eames Kennedy, again, thank you for all the kind words on social media. Well done to Alex and all the team on Sky, the inaugural coverage of Sky Sports Racing at Royal Ascot. Well done, team. Well done. Damn good job. And more of Peter, please. We want to see more of Peter on Sky? He's an absolute class act. We'll chat to you soon on the Final Front Podcast. God bless. Have you downloaded the free At The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice.